This is a podcast from Rover. Jay and Dunk reheated. Welcome to today's Big Three. We chuck out three topics. If you could stitch them together with a story from your life, you're going to win a prize. So today's topics. One. You're in the middle of nowhere. Two. There was an accident. Three. There needed to be an amputation. Righto, Molly, I know how to rock phone. What happened? Okay, we were coming back from a mate's place in Powhay near Morinsville, which is like in the middle of nowhere. And it was pretty early morning. Uh, my mate was driving. We come across this bridge. No idea where we were. And there's a car ploughed into the big concrete blooming pylon on the side of this bridge. Walked up to it. The engine's smoking. It was pretty full on. We're sort of a bit freaked out. But, you know, you've got to check on the person that's in the car. Yeah, I walked up to it wondering, I wonder where the engine is. Why could it be in the river? Yeah, got around to the driver's window. Big fella slumped up over the steering wheel with the blooming engine in his lap. That's where the engine went, and yeah, promptly the engine caught fire. So we had to run and grab a big bottle of lemonade out of the car, put it out, smothered it with a blanket, and yeah, his legs were absolutely totaled. I very much doubt he kept them. Did he survive? Uh, They got the ambulance crew, got him out of there, and he was alive when he left, so far as I know. So yeah. Well, that's the big three. I mean, these are always going to be intense stories, weren't yeah, they? When they were Chase serves up those ones. <laughs> yeah. Ma- Magic Molly, hold there. Righto, Graham and Napier, mate. Uh, have you got today's big three? I have. I used to be working on a fishing trawler out of Napier. We were, it was a heavy southerly that we were in, and then the steel wire rope that tows the net jumped out of the roller and went down between the the pillar and the roller. So if you tried to haul it, it would snap the wire open, you'd lose everything. So I had to climb up there and free it. Unfortunately, we tied it with a chain, and then all of a sudden it slipped through the chain while I was trying to free it, went tight tight as, chopped the end off my little finger, and I only had like one millimetre of fingernail left on my little finger, and lost the tip off the next two as well. I would I say the tip, just the skin and a little bit of meat. And it was seven hours to get back to port. So you are, that's that. I mean, that qualifies. You're in the middle of nowhere. There was an accident, and that, and there was an amputation of the end of your little finger. Yes, it was, on my left hand. Just the tip. And I took the skin off my, um, my upper arm to stitch it back up again. Oh. So I'm, now 60, I'm now 67, and it was about 17 when it happened, so the, the skin has actually almost almost grown off. The downside is hair grows out the end of my little finger. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it came off my upper arm. Jeez, a bit of a Picasso there with your little paintbrush hand. Mate, how are you going down yeah. there with the, with the, with the uh, cyclone um, recovery? Where? Where I am, I'm in Bayview in the Hawke's Bay Holiday Camp, and we're doing well. We didn't get a lot of damage here, but to the left of us, Eastdale, my best friend's uh, first cousin was trapped on the roof of his house for 10 hours with a life jacket on, clinging to the um, chimney um, as other houses and all sorts of other stuff was getting swept away. And after 10 hours, he got rescued. Amazing. Hey, um, Graham, hold there. We're going to get you a prize. Obviously, you've got today's big three. Yep. And also, next time I'm down in the bay, I want to have a beer with you. I can tell you've lived a bloody great life, and I reckon you've got some good stories. I've got one or two. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I knew you. There you go, Oh, there, mate.
Uh, text here, mate of mine got his fingers stuck in a hay baler. He had to cut three of them off with his pocket knife, hopped back into the tractor, drove two hours home, hopped in his ute, and then drove himself to hospital. How did he stop that from bleeding? Oh, I don't know. It makes me... Oh, it's Hand just, above your head. I'm going to pick better three next time. Uh, well, great one here from Alistair, Mozambique, septic tank, amputated big toe. <laughs> Something tells me that a septic tank and, and an amputation in Mozambique yeah, is probably not oh, the yeah. safest place to be. Yeah, Blood poison, I reckon, was on the cards for Alistair. I reckon blood poison probably be the least of his worries after swimming around in that hepatitis alphabet soup of a freaking <laughs> septic tank. It's hot and dangerous. Jay and Dunk reheated. Me oh my yes boy, it's time for Smoko Chat. Smoko Chat. Bit of bants for your Smoko break. Well this is a bit crazy really. We got called into a meeting this afternoon because Duncan's been sending unsolicited D-pics to random people that listen to the show. So. Not the case. The only thing that happened unsolicited was I needed to present on the behalf of our group and blow out completely. <laughs> it was last minute. I wasn't paying attention. I was at home on a video call watching it and then they're like, Dunk, you're presenting. I was like, huh? oh, what? And just dropped the ball massively. Uh, there's, it was great. I learned a lot. There's a great video on there. Um, uh, just Google sex cup of tea and it should bring up a video. Probably bring up a number of videos. Once you find the cartoon version of it, it actually makes a lot of sense. Great stuff around consent and things. Another thing that they mentioned was about how you can keep yourself safe online because uh, in this day and age, it's not uncommon to have yourself absolutely hacked to bits by people. And be held to ransom too. Like We've actually had people on the show before uh, that have had their accounts hacked and they mean like held to ransom for the photos and like nude photos they have on their phone. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. It is the Wild West, man. Yeah, I mean obviously there's not a massive market for nudes of me but I'm sure that somewhere in some dark Mate, corner of the internet. If someone gets paid money, like a chubby person gets paid money to stand on chocolate, melted chocolate, then, mate, you could definitely sell <laughs> at least one picture. <laughs> Good point. There's maybe maybe something I could work on over Christmas. Uh, anyway, the uh, the team, a very clever team, um, brought to our attention that if you are wondering where your passwords and email addresses have been sent, because basically what happens is you get your email address uh, put into a big database and then people spam it all out, and you wonder how you end up on these crazy lists. Like, how am I getting sent um, to South Dakota Democratic newsletters? Like, what the? S- f- someone put me in the Green Party list. What? <laughs> It's outrageous behaviour. See, so uh, what's happened is uh, that you've been your email address has been passed on to these people. So if you want to find out who actually has your email address or where you've been, I guess left open, exposed to being hacked, you go along to this website uh, called HaveIBeenPawned.com, which is P W E N D. Basically, if you text hack to three five two zero, it'll send you back the link. You put your email address in. I did it just to see it wasn't um, wasn't a blowout. This is through, I think, maybe in conjunction with NetSafe or mm-hmm. something. Anyway, so it turns out, uh, for me, I uh, have been breached on seven sites. Uh, those sites. How do you see sites? I've done it. I'm, I'm on six sites. So scroll down. Yeah. Keep scrolling down. Those are them there. Look oh, at that. Oh, here we go. Yep. So my ones were Bitly, uh, a data enrichment exposure, Dropbox, uh, Modern Business Solutions, MySpace, which I haven't used for freaking years, uh, an online a spam bot, and River City Media Spam List. So it shows you who's actually got your email addresses and palming them off to people. Well, yeah, because when, they, when they've been hacked and all the information's been sold, then those people can then on-sell it, can't they? I've got Dub Smash, my fitness pal. <laughs> haven't used that for years. Who cares? My Heritage, Tumblr, and Zumato. 
But this one here, this um, top one, um, there's one more. I don't even know what the company is, but it says... P-Hub. They've had... No, it's not that one. It's got a big C as a logo. Um, This one here has email addresses, job titles, names, phone numbers, physical addresses, social media profiles as well. Terrifying. That's a perfect start to steal your identity. That could be me if they want to be. Mate, hack H-A-C-K to 3520. And uh, obviously this this is the safe part of it. There's been over 10 billion pawned accounts. So that's basically people that have been hacked and passed on. Do you know, crazy. Oh man, look at that text machine go! It's good. It's good little operation to do. You start using those uh, uh, passwords that your phone comes up with for you automatically. Those ones yeah. are impossible to crack. Yeah, mate. My my phone doesn't even recognise my own face when I hold it up to it to unlock it. Why has your phone got a piece of tape over the camera on the front of it? I've got a bit of tape on the front and the back so that uh, <laughs> nobody can catch me barbecuing. <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> Mate, everyone worries about everyone so worries bad. about the uh, everyone... once again. No one will want to see it anyway. You go on the internet, and no one will watch it anyway. It'll be the least viewed video on the hub. Mate, there is a classic website that basically um, collated all of the facing back to the viewer cameras. So, <laughs> mate, there are some there are some people that get about their work. I, you know, for me, I'm just too close to the camera. I need to be further away. It's too harsh and the light's always wrong. <laughs> Jay and Dunk reheated. Mrs. X, what was your open relationship scenario and how long did it go for? So I met my husband and we got married. We bought a house. We had a couple of kids. We were together for 10 years. Um, we were emotionally monogamous. But sexually, we were open. It was the duration of our 10-year marriage. It probably ceased when we had kids, purely due to timing. But it was very consistent and it was well, it felt so normal. How would talk us through, for those of us that don't quite understand it, you go out for a dinner, you're sitting there having dinner across your shoulder, he sees somebody across his shoulder, you see something, uh, and you say, hey, I'm just going to go and have a chat to this individual. Um, and then from there, hey, don't worry, I'll meet you at home. We're just going to nip across the road into the uh, into the park there and have a couple of frames of shove, piggy shove. <laughs> It sounds horrific, but you're not wrong. Totally. It was almost like a sport. It was something that was decided was going to happen um, before we went out. And if we went out and something happened, then that was totally okay. It was more like you have a a one-night stand, basically, and that's totally okay with your husband. Would you ever bring the person that you were hooking up with back into your relationship, or was it always just individualised? So, say, for example you wouldn't come home that night and he would go home. Uh, so it really depended on the person that was met at the time. So, yeah, totally. It was totally acceptable to bring someone home. You know, it was about the idea of having a, a good time, basically, and it's a trust thing. And how did the whole thing come about? Like, what was the initial conversation? Um, it was really probably about preferences and what we kind of wanted in regards to not having a stock standard boring marriage that ended in five years time because there was no chemistry um i was always swung a wee bit more towards the women than the men and i didn't necessarily identify as being gay but i still got happy times where i got to explore and feel a bit like me and when everything i mean i'm guessing after 10 years you're no longer together what was the was there anything to do with that being the catalyst of the the breakup the divorce 
unbelievably not. It just boggles my brain that that was not the clincher for the relationship breakdown. It was about the lack of emotional connection. Look, it's all probably related, but it was more about we didn't communicate properly anymore and we kind of lost touch of who we were as a family. And I think kids do that to you anyway. Did you ever have any moments where you're like, oh man, I'm just really jealous or uh, maybe I like this person more than my partner? Um, yes, I didn't do the jealousy thing. I think you have to be quite secure within yourself and your relationship not to be jealous. Um, and I did have moments in time where I was like, shit, the grass could be greener on the other side. But again, you, you go home and you go back to your home base and you're like, oh, actually, no, I fit in here really well. Would you call yourself being in an open relationship or would you say that you were swingers? Or are they two completely different sort of kettles of fish? I don't know. I think that swingers is more of a very much an organised group thing. You know, you have set couples or you have set places that organise things like that, whereas I think an open relationship is purely based around what you and your partner are wanting outside of your nine to five. Uh, What about now? What's your situation now? Have you found happiness? Are you with a a, a new partner? Yep. So um, I left my husband and started dating a woman. Um, who was not involved at all in this, the previous open relationship, like never met her before, and um, definitely not in an open relationship now and very comfortable with that. Did she, did she make the call or were you like, yeah, no, I'm done. I think I've just found uh, where I want to be. I kind of was like, yeah, I don't really want to do that again. I feel quite comfortable within myself in our relationship that there's nothing more that's needed. And and how's the uh, ex-hubby getting on? Oh, well, he got remarried, wife number three. You know, we have a very small contact regarding the kids, but we don't have any other kind of relationship outside of that. What an amazing insight. Yeah, this, see, amazing. This, I really, really appreciate you chatting to us because it's one of those things that for so many people, A, nobody wants to talk about it, B, nobody's prepared to ask the questions. Uh, and as a result of that, C, nobody ever knows. So you come up to, with these conclusions that aren't, anywhere near the actual fact of the matter. Absolutely. I think that it's seen in quite a negative light. It's like you kind of want your cake and you want to eat it too. And I do understand these elements of that. I mean, especially if you're a a bisexual person and you want to be married to a man, but you want to have some fun with a woman. But I think it's more about how you want to enjoy yourself and where you rate yourself and, you know, how well you communicate and can express things. But it shouldn't be something that's not talked about. You can still have a a beautiful marriage and a beautiful family and still have a little bit of fun in the weekends when you're not mum, you know, you're Mrs X. You've done an incredible job of articulating it and that's probably why it works so well for you because you are a very good communicator of concept and idea, whereas I think most people would stumble with the, you know, I just want to bang somebody else. And then the other person's (laughs) like, well, that means you don't want to bang me anymore. And well, that's not actually the case. Well, you just want to cheat on me, so then it all falls apart from there. So obviously you've... There's an open discussion at the start that, you know, set you both off on on the right foot. Yeah, totally. And I think that if you um, are a little bit older as well, I think, you know, 18 to 24 is normally your, your fun years where you don't want to settle down in, in some sense. Um, but I don't think it's, I still think it's something that's quite negatively seen. Um, like, I wouldn't tell my mother. Yeah, fair enough, yeah. too. Uh, well, thank you very much, <laughs> Mrs. X, calling from Blenheim, which is where all the uh, people oh, that like to have open not. relationships live. No. <laughs> thank you so much. Reheated. I got tagged in an absolute beauty on Facebook last night. Um, a mate ET tagged me in this post from Lad Bible, and they were talking about the origins of your nickname. We've chatted about nicknames before on the radio and some quality ones out there.
But I'm going to read a few of these out for you. Jay, you haven't seen any of these. I've hidden them from mm. you. My dad had a mate who's got half his ear missing and his nickname is 18 months because he's only got an ear and a half. <laughs> uh, had a boss called Drillbit because he's a small, boring tool. <laughs> Richard Henderson writes, I worked with a guy who had one big hand and one small hand. He was known as the clock. Darren Allen writes, I knew a fellow whose nickname was Uncle Ben's because he had a cyst removed from his sack. A boil in the bag. <laughs> Mark O'Brien writes, <laughs> so good. Mark, o- Mark O'Brien writes, Mark O'Brien writes, worked in a factory and there was this guy called Keith there. Took me ages to realise that his real name was Keith, but he had an eye missing. <laughs> And then one final one as well. This is from Lab Bible. And there's way more on this thread. I'll give you a link to it shortly. (laughs) There's a guy at work that has one leg shorter than the other, which causes his head to bob side to side. So they call him him the sniper's nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Hot and spicy. The rock drive reheated. I guess this one, we may as well be honest where this sort of came from, but it's, um, I tend to agree with the point that uh, the Dr. Caleb would like to make on this one because uh, it's been going downhill for a while, hasn't it? Oh, mate, it never went uphill. <laughs> it's just a disgrace. So uh, Caleb thinks Prius drivers are the worst drivers on New Zealand roads. Hundy P. Is it because, is there an unfair number of them that just, I guess the the data set is just probably skewed in their favour because there's more Priuses than any other vehicle. No, I see more blooming, you know, random Mazdas like mine running around than Priuses. Mm. But I just, I was saying to Dunk off air, I was like, you know, you put a Prius in a supermarket car park, jeez man, it's all on. And it, it just, I don't know, they just feel like I feel like they feel like they can just <laughs> drive around <laughs> drive around and just do all this willy-nilly shit and just get away with it. It's sweet ass. And no one will no one has the courage, apart from me, to honk the shit out of my horn. Well, you don't honk a Prius. Shit, no. no I'm like, come on. And they hum on past you as if they're thinking they're bloody neat. Like, give it a rest. Yeah. Like the Jetsons, like, come on, man. Like, they just do stupid shit. Prius driver. Can you please puck off? Stop trying to be a show off. I'm with, I'm with see what I think's happened over the years it used to be if you had a four wheel drive you'd whack the hazards on and just park wherever you want you know like I'm just ducking in here you know I'm a bit higher up than every other kid I've got a bit of respect here now people that drive Priuses act like the old four wheel drive drivers. yeah that's the uh, it's the Ranger Park you just double park on a, on a busy busy road just slap the hazards on go mm. park up grab yourself a coffee do you and know, a couple of Sally Luns for the boys hold your horses, mate. A couple of Sally Luns. <laughs> do you know what? Do you know what happened the other day? And this is a Prius driver. I came around a blind corner and a Prius driver. And I don't want to. Um, why are you? Why is why are Prius is copping so much heat? It's a fantastic automobile made by an incredible company in Toyota. Hey, look, I'm not saying they are a bad car. I've done my, I've done my own research. The cheapest one on trade me is two thousand dollars with four hundred fifty three thousand k's in the clock. You know, what I'm thinking. This morning. You know what I'm thinking that you're possibly thinking is that this person is thinking about getting rid of that car and Caleb is thinking that that's a terrible idea across all of us thinking. 
I'm thinking I should buy it. <laughs> no, I'm not even lying. I went round a corner. It was a blind corner, and there was a Prius with its hazards on. And I don't want to um, stereotype, but I'm pretty sure they were an Uber driver waiting for an Uber um, their their customer. And they just whacked the hazards on. I came flying Sick. around the suburban, and I was like, got two options here. I can stand on the brake and hope like hell the ABS works, or I can go straight over it. Yeah. So I went naturally straight over straight it. Over it. Yeah. Straight over it. <laughs> Luckily, they're shaped like a skateboard ramp, so you just jumped it. And I just I ripped the bird out the window. I said, five stars! <laughs> shaped like a fun box. Do you know who's not a non-offensive driver? A leaf driver. Never oh. has someone done anything bad in a leaf. You know what I find? BMW drivers, generally the most courteous. <laughs> BMW drivers? Yep. Yeah. yeah. I've never heard a bad word said about them. I'll go with that statement as well. I'd put in the same ca- Range Rovers and Mercedes as well. You know, really courteous. Well, someone's saying a Nissan Tita driver. Oh, they're pretty yeah. bad, apparently. You, you, the wor- Can we just say the smaller your car gets, the worse driver you are? Can I remind you as well that I drive a Chevy Suburban? <laughs> Jay and Dunk.